You're listening to the B Fox and B Frank show. I feel like we say it every year, but this year there is some empirical data to back it up. This is the craziest tournament in potentially history. Um, through the first two rounds, at least, as we as we gaze upon what the Sweet 16 has turned into, um, it's there, there's always chaos, there's always upsets, but it seemed like this year there were more than most. Yes, it was obviously just making up for for lost time with last Certainly. season's tournament not happening. Um, credit to us, we picked a few of these. Not credit to us, we did not pick a lot of these, but. It has been fun to watch. I think uh, everyone at this point has enjoyed the tournament. I will say I did not like and still don't like the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday for the first two two rounds. However, it did make that Monday significantly better because usually you come down from the high of four straight days of 12 hours of basketball the entire time, and then you have a, a Monday – with nothing to do, and you just wait and yearn for the uh, Sweet 16 games. This week, obviously, we have the Monday games. Not as fun, obviously, because people are working still, but it's it's a better segue into the week, I think. Yeah, and I think appropriately, Monday was the worst from a competitive basketball um, right. perspective. So. If you did have to work, if you were stuck not having great access to the games, you at least had that going for you. Um, but mm -hmm. to take nothing away from the first three games, I am looking forward to it going back to Thursday, Friday. It just hits different. Um, yes. Starting into the weekend with, with some craziness. But just looking at how uh, the first two rounds played out, we'll go around region by region. And starting in the West... It's, uh, it's Gonzaga, Creighton, and big for the Pac-12, USC, Oregon. What has been kind of your, your big takeaway or your, your biggest surprise from what's gone on in the first two rounds in this region? USC is finally playing up to their, their talent level. I mean, we, we've talked about it at length uh, throughout the year. USC is the most talented team in the Pac-12. I don't think that is like a crazy thing to say. Oregon is pretty close there in second. Um, UCLA is probably up there as well. But Stanford was in the top five, top four, but they obviously did not play well enough to make it. But USC has guys that should be lottery picks in the Mobleys. And they have solid guard play, and it's just been a question of – when will they perform in March? And this is this is finally the year. Yes, they they got through a hampered Drake team and a hampered Kansas team, but I mean the beatdown they put on Kansas was truly a spectacle. And Kansas was not without flaws, as we saw even in the first game over the biggest bunch of goobers I'd ever seen in Eastern Washington. And I'd say that affectionately. Yes. Um, I was pulling for the Eagles hard, even though I didn't pick them in my bracket, but um, they, they had some struggles in that game, certainly defensively. And USC was able to defend a lot better than Eastern Washington while still pouring it on. And that game got out of hand very quickly. And I mean, that is kind of the same thing at the, uh, the team they're going to play, Oregon, like dismantling Iowa and 
the season for Iowa ended kind of the way that we thought it would all along. Just, you know, having a great offensive game. Luca Garza played phenomenally well, played well in both games, but Oregon perhaps a little fresher, not having to actually play in the first round, um, being able to put up 95 and win that one going away. Sets up a very intriguing Pac-12 Sweet 16 from a conference that really was I mean, looked down upon most of the year, let's be honest. 100%. I think – so I, I do think there's a little merit to the idea of, like, Oregon has fresher legs because obviously they didn't play a 40-minute game. That said, it was more so – like, it was the perfect storm for Iowa. If, if, if Oregon plays anyone that isn't Iowa, I think – any two seed, I should say, that is in Iowa, I think it's a different story because you are really trying to find your footing. But when you play a poor defensive team like Iowa, it is much easier to see the ball go in the hoop because you're getting better looks. And that's exactly what Oregon got early on. And then from there, you're running. I mean, that is that is exactly what they did. And Iowa is chasing, so they obviously have to run as well. And then you get into that track meet where if Iowa's hitting or if they can string together some stops, which they could not, then they've got a chance to win. But Oregon looked, like you said, they looked fresh, they looked good, and were able to take advantage of a bad defensive team. Yeah, and I don't know. Like, is this as good as it gets for Iowa under Fran McCaffrey? That's that's the one kind of concerning thing. Um, and, yeah, it's. I mean, it's – it's it's an Iowa program that that has struggled to make the second weekend. Certainly under McCaffrey, despite having, uh, I mean, very very good offenses, um, mm-hmm. it's just kind of more of the same. Um, and I mean, we were we wavered at times, but we as a collective college basketball nation were were right about the Hawkeyes, um, and it was another of a lot of poor performances from big 10 teams. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It, it went how I expected it would go. Um, I did. Well, not, I did not expect VCU to have to pull out because of COVID and, and lose two nothing, but I did expect Oregon to win that game. Um, and, and we said it all season long. I mean, the reason Iowa can't win or couldn't win come March is because in a single elimination tournament, you have to play some sort of defense. And kind of segueing, but not really getting us to a different region just yet. But as we saw, if you play defense at an elite level and can score the ball, not like Virginia, but more like Loyola, you can beat just about anybody in this field. Yeah, you, that's that's kind of what gets lost in the shuffle sometimes. You have to be able to do both things well. And it, right. it sounds like obvious when you very just say it that simply but that that's kind of what what gets lost in the shuffle sometimes and I, I even had like um you know some people indiana fans like talking about loyola it's like see if you play elite defense and just don't let teams score you can be a good basketball team there's another half of the floor there that you have to look at too um but you know just just keeping in the west for a sec if you're looking gonzaga they are one of the few top seeds that really did not break a sweat seemingly mm-hmm. um, in either of their first two games, obviously round one expected going up against the 16th seed, but 
Oklahoma, who can be a good basketball team, just not enough to keep up with a team with several All-Americans. And now, somewhat surprisingly, Creighton was able to win multiple games in the tournament, and they now have the uh, unenviable task of playing Gonzaga. Yeah, the Zags have looked good. Um, I think Oklahoma coming out and punching them in the mouth early in that game helped Gonzaga because they they, kind of lit a fire um, defensively, and then that turned into transition buckets, which is where they thrive. Um, they shot the ball pretty well. They, they just look good. I mean, this is what we expected out of them. They look good. They, they pulled away at the end of the first half and then kept Oklahoma at arm's length most of the, the rest of the game. I will say it was not a flagrant foul at the end of the game, uh, not just because I had Oklahoma plus 14 and a half, but it was just not – it wasn't a push. It was a grab, and Jalen Suggs fell because his feet got tangled up. But – doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Um, they look good. Oklahoma couldn't quite find that first round mojo that they had against Missouri and Zags move on to the Sweet 16. And then Creighton, congrats, you know, Sam Norland, longtime listener, congrats to him. First, first with Sweet 16 uh, in school history. Had quite both Big East teams with quite the easy road to uh, both Big East teams in the Sweet 16, I should say, with quite the easy path to get to uh, the Sweet 16 on paper, at least. Right. But uh, yeah, great. They they looked very good against Ohio, and I think that was more Ohio looking bad. But the offense looked like what we expected from Creighton all season long, and that we saw in some games, but not consistently enough. Certainly not a, an easy road in reality for Creighton. But, yeah, in terms yeah. of playing at 12 and 13 as your path to the Sweet 16, I think most schools would sign up for that. But, yeah, just a, a missed layup by UCSB away from going down in a 12-5 upset. Um, but, obviously, right of the ship. Playing a, a slightly, again, on paper, easier opponent in the second round in Ohio is able to get a more comfortable victory there. But, uh, yeah, I mean – I. It's uh, it, it's weird sometimes, like going into a tournament, sometimes momentum plays out exactly like you think it will, mm-hmm. um, like Kemba on that incredible run all the way in the Big East tournament, all the way to a national title. And then you have a team that didn't really soar to the heights they thought they should during the regular season, stumbling into the tournaments like Creighton, and they're into the second weekend. Yeah, just all it takes is a little luck sometimes in, in that first round game, and then you can you can find your footing and get going. I'm going to ask you this about each region, um, but with uh, two rounds to go in our preview show, the team out of the West in the Final Four you had said was Gonzaga. Yes. Are you still rolling with the Zags, or do you like any of these teams more? This is, uh, you, you have to ask the question, I know, but I am sticking with Gonzaga. Um, I think they handle Creighton because they play very similar styles, and Gonzaga is the bigger team, actually, a uh, bigger, more athletic team than Creighton. And then uh, I do like Oregon over USC in a tight game, but I think Gonzaga is going to be way too much for whoever wins that one. Yeah, I mean, this, this is the region where I thought there is very little chance answer would change um, pick against a team that has not lost a game all season. And 
I mean, whenever they do, if they do, it would would be their only one. See, I'm I'm sticking with the Zags as well. Uh, glad we glad we confirmed that and got out of the way. <laughs> we can end the show now. That's all that needs to be said. Uh, yeah, there there were three other regions that happened. Um, okay, but moving over to the South, we've got Baylor and another Big East team, Villanova, in one of the regional semifinals, and then Arkansas playing. The surprise of the tournament to this point, Oral Roberts. Um, I mean, not even one of the top three teams in the Summit League, but when you have a player like Max Asmus, anything is possible. And the Ohio State certainly found that out. And, I mean, Florida felt a lot like San Diego State going up against Dunk City. Like, they were – they were not the tougher test. You're playing a team that already has confidence, and it was a close game, but um, Oral Roberts able to get into the second weekend has to be the surprise of this region, right? 100%. I mean, I, I guess you could say Villanova, but again, they played a 12 and a 13. Like Getting through Winthrop, I think, took the monkey off their back because of the fact that everybody said, everybody but a few people said that Villanova is going to lose to Winthrop, and Winthrop could be easily like a Sweet 16 team. They get through that game, they blow out North Texas, and then uh, they get through. But yeah, I mean, the Ohio State game, even when they were up, it didn't feel like they were up, uh, Oral Roberts, that is. And um, Ohio State did everything wrong down the stretch to get Oral Roberts to win, and then from there, it was the pressure is off. You guys have nothing to lose. Like, let it fly. And Ace Smith and O'Banner were phenomenal in both of these games. They're averaging 56 and a half points combined. Like they, they looked like the dynamic duo that we had thought they were coming in. And now they're really playing with house money at this point, going up against a team that plays the exact same style that they do. So this should be a run and gun fun type of game. Yeah. And Arkansas, Colgate certainly had uh, some points in the first round, but Oral Roberts, Arkansas has even more offensive potential. And I mean, honestly, you, you talk about Villanova having an essential walkover in the second round. The two teams that the second round probably made look the worst were Virginia and Purdue because yeah, I like it is even more mind boggling how, Purdue loses that game to North Texas. Um, it's it's an unfortunate end to a very good season for the Boilermakers. Fortunately for them, they're a very young team. There's a lot of returning talents. Um, this was probably a year ahead of schedule at least. But still, with how easy Villanova made it look, and, and again, this is a Villanova team that is very much not at full strength. That's uh, not something that will make Matt Painter happy watching at home. It's a, it's, it's a big missed opportunity. Most definitely. And I mean, they, they match up very well with Villanova, I think. And that is uh, probably a game that they, they looked at and thought we're a sweet 16 team now. And let's, you know, Baylor is going to be the, the tough test, but yeah, two, I wouldn't say no shows, but two disappointing performances from the 13s that that won there in North Texas and Ohio. But Villanova looked good. I mean, Baylor's looked like we expected. They've looked very good so far. Um, I actually 
Wisconsin was surprising how they handled North Carolina because North Carolina is just so big, and we figured that the inside presence would, would change that game, and it absolutely did not play a factor. Yeah, at the end of the day, kind of got into the same sort of territory that plagued North Carolina so much last year. It's just, and a lot of years under Roy, honestly, is just inability to hit open shots or just jump shots at all. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 hard sometimes to get the ball inside um, when you don't have good guards or you just don't have guards who are a scoring threat. Um, same, right. same basic concept as football, sort of establish the run so you can uh, move the ball and play action. But that was uh, there were a lot of surprising first round games, uh, like nine over eight, not a, uh, a massive upset by any mm-hmm. stretch of the imagination, but certainly with the margin of victory um, is something I don't, I don't think really anyone expected, even the world's biggest Wisconsin fan. Definitely. I, uh, I, I mean, as we know, people who listen to this, I thought this was going to be a cakewalk for North Carolina. I felt very confident about them um, just through, through the season, just seeing what Wisconsin had struggled with and how they had struggled in general. Um, but then again, I guess when when March comes around, Wisconsin finds a way to win a game at least. So they do it yeah. again. One game at least. Yeah. Um, it was, it was going to take a, a mammoth effort to overtake Baylor. So certainly no shame in, in losing to the Bears in the second round. But um, that's, that is what happened. So, I mean, you've got a, as we said, crazy sweet 16 now with uh, – Oral Roberts still hanging around trying to pull the third straight upset over the must bus in Arkansas. We both picked Baylor before the tournament. Are you feeling any reason to change that pick now? No, I I'm going to stick with Baylor. I'm also going to go on, not on a limb, but I'm going to go out and say that I think Oral Roberts will beat Arkansas. They have not shot the three as well as they usually do. So far in the tournament, they're going to put up 30 to 35 threes in this game, maybe more depending on the pace. And if they can, if they hit at their regular clip, this could be another upset for them. So I'm going to say Baylor Oral Roberts regional final, and uh, we're going to get Baylor going to the final four. I would say 15 over three is still going out on a limb. Uh, I appreciate that. I mean, it. it's, it's, I wasn't going to take Villanova. That's all I'm going to yeah, say. Okay, fair, fair. Um, yeah, sticking with going to be boring and stick with the original pick of Baylor as well. Um, things will get interesting as we get into the lower half of the bracket for sure. Um, certainly, when we take a look at the Midwest region, the Sweet 16 has one top seven seed. You've got... Loyola against Oregon State. And then you've got Syracuse, of course, against Houston. Um, I still I still don't think Syracuse should have been able to bypass the first four, but once uh, Jim Beheim finds a way to sneak into the tournament, All these sort off. of things seem to happen time and again. It's incredibly frustrating. Um, I... I- Said it from the jump when I saw the bracket. Sweet Syracuse is going to the Sweet 16. 
I did not pick it, obviously. I had West Virginia going to the Final Four out of this region. They, it, it's, it's just so frustrating that every single year, teams forget how to play basketball against a 2-3 zone. And Syracuse reaps the benefit. They don't even play that well. Like, Buddy Bayheim has been playing out of his mind this last, basically the entire month of March. That said, the rest of the team has not been performing nearly well enough to be a Sweet 16 team, yet here they are because their opponents just cannot shoot the ball when it comes to the 2-3 zone. Yeah, it's makes you think. If only Mike Hopkins could get to the tournament. Yeah. I mean, they'd just be putting these runs together every year. Instead, Washington is what everyone thinks the Pac-12 as a conference is. Um, yeah, but it's I, – I also did not have Syracuse, but that being said, them doing this, just sneaking in the tournament and going on this run is uh, not as surprising as, as you'd like it to be. Certainly a very comfortable win in the first round over a, a good San Diego State team who really looked like they had never seen a zone at any level. Um, yeah. And then West Virginia, similar thing, but a little more talent on that roster is able to make it a closer game. But um, it's far from the craziest thing that's that's happened in the bracket. I mean, take your pick. Loyola winning the uh, the battle for Illinois over Illinois. Not as massive an upset as the seeds would indicate, um, but yeah. unfortunate for Illinois just as much as it was for Loyola that Loyola was an eight seed. And then – Oregon State, I think, you can understand how they might beat Tennessee in the first round. Uh, sorry for your vols. I see you're, you're rocking the, the sweater. but um, It was I, raining today. Mother Nature was crying. It's very, very surprising um, to see them follow that up with beating Cade Cunningham and Oklahoma State, who had been one of the hotter teams in America coming into the tournament. Yeah, I, th I think Oregon State was more opportunistic than anything. Like, Ethan Thompson is obviously a very good player. Um, but the rest of the roster just kind of fills roles, and it, and it works. Like, they, they do play pretty decent defense. And they played a great game against Oklahoma State. They obviously scouted them very well because they just forced mistakes. And Oklahoma State made many, many mistakes in that game. Poor free throw shooting, didn't hit open shots, turned it over a ton fouled all the time and Oregon state just took advantage of that. And uh, I, I know I felt very confident about Oregon state over Tennessee, but I felt that much confidence about Oklahoma state over Oregon state. And it clearly did not happen. And um, now the Beavers are what a step away from the elite eight, two games away from potentially a final four. Crazier things have happened. I mean, they, uh, it's it's not it's not out of the question. Certainly, they are playing extremely well. They are still the second lowest rated team on Ken Palm out of the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, they are they are the fiftieth spot in those rankings, directly behind Indiana. So that uh, that makes me feel good about something. But you you almost were dead on with uh, Rutger to the Sweet Sixteen before they kind of clashed at the ends. Thank uh, God. Houston, but I mean, they were they were defended at a very high level. They made Houston look absolutely awful offensively for long stretches of that game. Certainly for much of the second half. But 
know, sometimes sometimes it pays to have been there and have your heart broken before, as Houston has for a couple seasons. Um, certainly, the buzzer beater against Michigan a couple years ago. Um, they showed that highlight a lot on CBS too. They get a lot of run. Yeah, it really does. Um, yeah, I, I remember uh, my dad texting me saying, I'm actually cheering for Rutgers. This is not to piss you off. I'm actually cheering for them. And I told him, I think I just said, ew. And I looked at the score, saw they were up 10 with like four minutes left. And mentally was preparing for just the onslaught of just Rutgers texts from people talking shit to me. And sure enough, they do what they did best this year and found a way to choke away a lead, fail to run offense, fail to, to execute on that under the floor, and then just give up easy buckets defensively. Um, huge credit to Houston, though, for, for clawing their way back into that game. Dotson was phenomenal, and they, they just played the – I mean, they didn't play well, but they played well enough to win, and I think that has been the case for um, – Houston, or excuse me, against Rutgers for most of the year for for these teams. Yeah, and I mean, if if Houston were to follow their mo, they would bounce back against Syracuse and play a much more comfortable game, much more comfortable margin of victory. Um, the only exception to that normal equation is that Syracuse does play a two three zone, as people forget. So, yes. That could cause issues for uh, for Kelvin Sampson, who is clearly his first time coaching. And I say that tongue in cheek, but Huggy Bear struggled too. Brian Dutcher is not a bad coach. Like it, it happens. Yeah, it happens almost every year. And obviously, I meant Quentin Grimes, not Devon Dotson. Right. I get my Kansas guards mixed up too yeah. often. Kansas is still on my brain because we live bet them late last night, <laughs> and uh, not great. It would certainly be helpful if uh, Houston did have Dotson. Mm-hmm. It probably would have had. Quinn Grimes is pretty good, though. Yeah. Oh, he's he's very good. Um, all right. So obviously, you have to change your Final Four pick as West Virginia could not eke out the win over Syracuse. The four teams that remain, who would you have the most confidence in? It's got to be Loyola. They get Oregon State, who obvi- who I think is the weakest of the four teams left in this region. And then there's a real chance they get Syracuse in the next round, which I think plays into their hands perfectly. So I'm going to take Loyola for another Sweet Six, or excuse me, Final Four run. Does Porter Moser take a better job after this? Who knows? Or is this the better job than what he would take? I don't know, but I'm going to I'm going to go with Loyola um, playing Houston in the Elite Eight. Okay, it would not shock me for either of these teams to make it to the Elite Eight um, with various factors, one being how well they are playing right now. Um, but Syracuse has, has something a little different than that. Like like you said, like Buddy Beheim is playing very well. It's hard to point at too many more particular Syracuse players that are willing the team on, um, kind of like you expect from a March run, certainly what you see on – a lot of these other teams, um, but stranger things have happened. Um, certainly the the final four trip coming back and beating that very, very good Virginia team. One of them. Um, I, I think pause. 
I think Houston edges at Loyola. I I think that would be a a great game. I, I mean, I I think these are going to be like obviously not the matchups we certainly expected to see. Like, sure, it would have been great to see Io and Illinois go up against Cade Cunningham and Oklahoma State, but it's it's hard to see how well Loyola played in the first two rounds, putting on an absolute clinic against Illinois and not be excited about the possibility of watching them play multiple more games, but at least one more against mm-hmm. a red hot Oregon state team. Um, I, I think, I think it'll be Houston over Loyola and rock fight seems like it is attacking the yeah. abilities of these teams. So they're both very good defensively. And I think they have, offensive stars like Cam Crutwig, who is the most photogenic man in college basketball. Um, Truly and, is. I mean, he, he was on the original Final Four team, starting center as a freshman. And this mm-hmm. is uh, another Final Four trip would be a a storybook cap on a, a very good college career. But yeah. to your earlier question, like if you – even if they lose in the Sweet 16 – Porter Moser will never have better opportunities than right you know, now. Yeah. And it, I, I honestly, at this point, I don't think he'll leave. I think he's, he's too entrenched in this area. And like there, there's really no upside for him, say like going to DePaul. Yeah. He has no pressure at Loyola, I think is the biggest yeah. thing. Like he is St. Porter at this point on Loyola's campus and and he and sister Jean will forever live, uh, you know, next to each other on that, that campus. I will say, thank God, literally and figuratively that CBS has stopped showing sister Jean as much this year. She is not like the calling card. It is actually the team that gets the credit, which, which is nice. But if he doesn't leave this year, he's never leaving. Um, and DePaul and Marquette being open, that he will never have a chance for closer made high major jobs. You can say what you will about DePaul; it's still a high major job, but um, they the, he will never have a chance to have these opportunities. So if he doesn't go, um, I, I don't anticipate him him going. And and to go back to the Loyola Houston game, it feels like it is it will be in the same vein of Wisconsin Virginia, but with offense if that makes sense, like decent yeah. offensive teams. Yeah. But there, yeah, there's, there's great defenses, but there is also some pressure put on them by good offensive teams. Yes. Um, and baskets and actual action run. Yes. Um, yeah. But Marquette would be intriguing because that's like close enough. Right. Or as, as far as he may want to, to travel away from Chicago, but we'll see. Got to, uh, got to see how far the tournament run goes first. And then I bl- I would think pretty comfortably the uh, the East is the chalkiest region. At least three of the top four seeds. Um, got Michigan, Florida State, and then UCLA, Alabama in the nightcap. Some things we expected – some things we didn't, which um, I I guess we we knew there would be a first four team make a run because all but one year that is what has happened. Um, but right, I don't know that UCLA was 
a lot of people's first choices. Um, but two double-digit wins, one over a good BYU team, the second over an Abilene Christian team that admittedly had done what they set out to do in the tournament. It was a massive victory over an in-state foe like the the school of the state of Texas in the Longhorns. Um, mm-hmm. But Mick Cronin, hot guy. He's got the Bruins in the Sweet 16 as the uh, weirdly the Cinderella of the region. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, th- th- they're playing well, and it's annoying. I, like, Abilene Christian did not play well. Very, no. maybe the worst game of any team in the round of 32. And that was pretty maybe by a wide margin, but UCLA has looked pretty good. Like they have the talent that, you know, Jacquez has played extremely well. Johnny Juzang continuing to show why he was a five-star recruit and, and, you know, had all the interest from basically every school in the country. That said, they're going into an absolute buzzsaw in Alabama. Like it's hard to find team not named Gonzaga that is playing better than Alabama right now because they are, Locked in defensively. They are shooting the three in exceptionally well. Uh, they run great offense. They push the ball when they need to. And everybody is clicking at this point. Um, as for the top half, like Florida State has looked pretty uninspired getting to the point they have. But they're still Florida State. Like they're going to muck up the game. They're going to, to get in your face. They're going to be long, athletic, get in the passing lanes, challenge shots. Michigan really struggled with LSU, but that's because LSU played like a damn near perfect 28 or nine minutes to start that game. Um, that should be a hell of a game. I, that might be the game of the entire Sweet 16 right there. LSU had a very good run. 15-point um, victory over St. Bonaventure in the first round. And then, yeah, that's that's the team a lot of the country was seeing for one of the first times in the SEC championship game against Alabama. Um, it was an instant classic, and for much of the game, they were playing the same way. They have very good players, very good shot makers up and down the roster. And, I mean, the, the SEC is, is getting tougher, as evidenced by some of the play of just teams in this region alone. But, yeah, Alabama-Iona was a classic 2-15 in that it was, it was touch and go for a little bit, but you never really felt like Iona actually had a chance of winning the game. And then once they got through, probably a little bit of nerves, not really having been in this position before, um, just blew the doors off Maryland and, and kind of becoming the team that we expected them to be coming into the tournaments. Um, so I think UCLA will uh, take its Sweet 16 appearance as a double-digit seed and be happy with that because it's – it's hard to see that matchup going well for them at all. Yes, I, I do expect the tide to to roll in this one as well. I, I it's just hard to see UCLA keeping keeping up because Alabama is going to dictate the pace, and when they get out and running, they're like Arkansas. They are hard to stop. From a style of play perspective, and I, I did pick them to the Final Four initially. I. I may still stick with that. We'll see. But they they have looked the best. Um, but mm-hmm. it is hard still to overlook, you know, Michigan is 100% carrying the water for the Big Ten at this point. And it took a lot for them to overcome a spirited effort from LSU. Florida State has looked 
pretty rough at times, but play a good UNC Greensboro team, don't hit a single three, win that game by double digits, and then you lock up Colorado, almost cut their scoring in half from the first game against Georgetown, go from 96 to 53, and win that game going away. So they are they're not the prettiest basketball team, but I don't think that really matters, and I, I don't think that's ever been in their MO. They just find ways to really limit you offensively and take you out of your game, and they don't really care what kind of game they have to play offensively to beat you. And, I mean, two fairly comfortable wins so far. Exactly. The, the defense has looked very good. The offense has looked shaky at times. Um, I I know they like playing taking Scotty Barnes off the bench, but you might want to consider giving him a start because he is just such a spark plug offensively because he runs the point so smoothly. But they'll they or either that or just attack the rim because that is where they saw the most success early on against Colorado, and then jump shots started to fall, or I guess jump shots were falling early, and then they realized they could just attack the rim because they were bigger and more athletic. Multiple options there for sure. Um, right. Yeah, you, you certainly don't want to make a habit of not hitting any jump shots. Um, but if you're able to get away with it, you'll still certainly take it. Um, I mean, I'm with you. I think Florida State-Michigan is going to be a phenomenal game. I think a lot of people, as we did, had that circled before the tournament even began as one of the um, Sweet 16 games we hope would happen the most. Um, and, you know, kind of – highest ceiling sort of games um, in terms of entertainment value. I still think that will be the case. Not a lot expected from the second game, but as we found out this tournament, those are the games that have a tendency to uh, be a lot better than expected and really surprise you. Um, right. But we thought three of these teams would be here. UCLA, the exception. Um, you had Florida State initially. Are you still – Rolling with the Nulls? Reluctantly, yes, because I'm a man of my word. But um, I, I, Alabama is the team, I think, that, that most likely comes out of this. I'm still going to stick with Florida State, like I said. And I'm hoping for an absolute classic of a game between Florida State and Alabama in the Elite Eight. Yeah, that, that would be a very, very fun game just from sheer amount of athleticism on the floor. Yeah. Um, and I think – both teams play both sides of the floor very well. Um, like at their worst, Florida State is not typically a poor shooting team. That was just an anomaly that allowed them to kind of flex their muscles and show that they can beat you in other ways and um, really shut down a fun basketball team in Greensboro offensively. Um, but they'll do whatever it takes to win. They have a huge matchup at times literally um, against Michigan. Yeah. I, I think, I think both games in this uh, region, if Florida State's able to keep going, have the potential to be absolute classics. Um, and I, I really want that to happen because I've been excited for some games so far that have turned out to be duds. Um, and I, I know it's evened out at the other end of the spectrum sometimes, but um this is it. This is all we're asking for. Yeah, it's nothing crazy. Is, I, I think for sure this is the region I am most excited for. Obviously, these are all just going to be in the state of Indiana, so it's a little different in that regard. But mm -hmm. um, I'm 
I'm excited to see how the rest of this one plays out. It's that that's kind of the chalky one, the the wackiest one right across the way in the Midwest. Um, but there's there's craziness that has happened in each region, and it's just again one of the one of the reasons that we love this time of year so very much. Um, and I mean, obviously, I, I know I know you're excited as am I to to see how it plays out and see if finally the the Zags or someone else potentially can bring it home. A new champ would be nice. I'll say that much. Um, it, it is also nice that we don't have our schools in because of the fact that I feel like we both would have been sent home in the round of 64, looking at all these upsets, pissed off that our schools of all of them couldn't get the damn win. I, I do have one complaint in that regard. I don't love that... Um, the the college basketball writers like completely earnestly just identify whoever wins the last game that happened chronologically in the tournament as the now leading candidate for the Indiana job. Yes, like Porter Moser is a nice guy, but if if Indiana hires him, that is one of the uh, that's a tough look. Yeah, and I just no. Um, <laughs> It's it, it's good. It's it would be great if he was able to uh, to have multiple Final Four runs at uh, Loyola. Like historic, like that. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Um, but kind of look at his career as a whole. Um, but also like that should give him a leg up on a lot of coaching candidates in general. Like the the more I think about it, the more I think a move to Marquette would not be the worst thing in the world. Um, and that's the, the, the tough sell for him might be like, is this program enough of a step up from where I am, where there is less pressure? Um, yeah. I mean, you, you look at him and you look at a guy like Shaka, who is for a lot of his career been so revered and has a grand total of one sweet 16 appearance. The, the one, run he went on at VCU to the final four that was able to build him so much career equity. So mm-hmm. yeah, good for Porter Moser, but I do not want him <laughs> to, to catch my team. Thanks, but no thanks, Porter. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll find somebody else. Hopefully we'll see a lot of, a lot of news and uh, just vague speculation that we are trying to uh, disguise as breaking news. Um, around that subject, but not focused on that right now. We are, we're focused on crowning a new champion. Uh, there will be a, no repeat, obviously, as, as Virginia held the crown for two years, but a lot of great storylines to keep an eye on. A um, lot of, lot of double-digit seeds still in the field uh, and just, in general, Cinderella types still around. So there should be no shortage of drama for the last 15 games of this tournament, we will uh, we will have it down to four the next time we speak, and I mean, just be that cl- much closer to a champion. And I, again, can't express how how excited we are. Um, big winner, state of Indiana. We'll call it that. That's that's the Big Ten's win. I I would say I, I was talking about this before. I think this is how it should go. Like it should be held in one state every year to limit travel and all that stuff. Like interesting. Wherever the final four is, like it, it adds more. 
oomph to the final four process as opposed to just like rotating between like three cities, like let cities bid for the, you know, the final four and then put together like a proposal of how they would run the whole tournament, let it all be in the same state or city or whatever the possibility is, because I think it's fun having, you know, like it, it would make it an even bigger event than it already is. You know, you, it's a destination. Now you all go to this one place as opposed to like, sitting and waiting and then you know indiana gets a four seed out in salt lake city and then all the indiana fans have to fly out to utah and then they come back when they make the sweet 16 and they got to play at like louisville or whatever logistically for a lot of teams i agree with you it doesn't make sense and i think that this iteration of the tournament works out really well and is going about it as well as could possibly be expected just because Indianapolis and the state are used to hosting events of such magnitude. Certainly the the not having fans at sites or like full capacity helps right. in some regard. I do like though in normal years, like the the little bit of advantage that the top couple seeds get um by having I mean when when we have to play Kansas in Wichita, that's no fun. Yeah. But I mean somewhat of a reward for a very strong regular season. You still have to go out and actually win all of the games to get to a title. Um, but right, I don't, I don't disagree I, with that. I think I'm a little, a little partial to that. But above everything else, just like use normal courts. Don't just make everything generic. Um, yeah, like the the women's tournament still doesn't do anything to the courts, and I, I think that is always infinitely more aesthetically pleasing than just every court looking the exact same. Mm -hmm. But just one man's opinion. Uh, in, in any event, like I said, we will see you next week when the final four is set, and hopefully we are not shrouded in a veil of misery after a stunning upset for the Zags. Not going to talk that into existence, but we'll be back next time. Keep following us on Twitter.com at Show. Um, we will we will be on there during the game certainly, and we will be back here for you next week.